Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts. Whisper and Brew. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, mate. Very well indeed. How are you? Good, mate. Good. Footy is back and I am pumped. We were greeted to a mixed bag when it comes to trials. We saw eight great games. Some sides put out a couple of Reggie. Some sides put out their big boys. So we were treated to a fair bit and yeah, there was there's plenty to chat about. My side has changed a heap, thanks to some pretty good news coming out of Red Hill today. Uh, mate, how did you make basically assess these trials? Has it has it clouded your mind a little bit? Has some other guys come into consideration we weren't thinking about? What's happening? It hasn't really clouded my mind. I don't. When it comes to the the gun players, I don't read a whole lot into trials because come round one, they just you know get back straight back into it. Turbo. Turbo was someone that caught my eye. He, he looked just like the Turbo of old. He looked like, you know, he could score 150 points in that trial. And that was concerning for me. Uh, there was a couple of young studs that that obviously made a bit of a name for themselves. Young Geyer, he had a brilliant game for Penrith, as did most of their, their juniors. So, yeah, there was a few guys that caught the eye. Uh, there was a few guys that I saw play and kind of went, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about them. But I'm not going to make mass changes on one trial. I want to see, obviously, what we get over the next two weeks as well. Well, how about for the next hour, Brew? We sit down and we overreact massively to some footy that's happened on the weekend. You mentioned some young studs that absolutely tore it down. (laughs) You mentioned young young studs that tore it down. And we'll cast our mind to the very first game. Raiders 32-18 Roosters. I think the talk of this trial was Xavier Savage and just how well he looked at fullback. Ricky Stewart's going to have a huge, huge problem when it comes to his selections. He's he's played bolster rookies before, and the fact that sort of Jared Croker got through the game unscathed sort of takes one centre spot out. And I mean, Jordan Rapiner is out for the first couple of weeks. I personally see Savage lining up at, on the wing, which could be great for Supercoach because then you will pick up centre wing eligibility. He played fantastic. I just don't know if it's enough to displace Charles Nicolucci, who also played well out of position in his own right. Yeah, I said two and a half, three weeks ago, whenever we we recorded the Canberra pod, that Savage was going to be the fullback. So this is no surprise to me whatsoever. It's been heavily rumoured that he's been training at fullback all preseason. As I said, the clubs talked to Supercoach in terms of making the positions. Uh, when he came out as fullback only, that Connor said to me, yeah, I'm pretty sure this kid's going to play fullback and I fully expect him to be picked at fullback come TLT round one. How did he go on the weekend, mate? When it comes to the coach scoring, look, he didn't play the full game, but thankfully we, we do have the full scores handy. He put up a pretty neat performance. Yeah, look, he um, he played really well. I think um, 
when you start the game and you do a little kick to yourself and score, it's obviously going to be a pretty good day for you. Um, we saw social media was going absolutely bonkers <laughs> immediately going, Oh, savage, savage, savage. And I think people need to remember that he's fullback only, and that's going to make it very hard to get on the kid. Uh, I'm just trying to bring up the stats from that game. He yes, he sir. finished he finished with about sixty one points I'm pretty sure from memory but that's the issue like everyone's getting so hot and heavy and making 61. make making their desk raise one inch when it comes to Xavier Savage because he's so cheap but we have been shafted when it comes to super coach they've only given him fullback only so for me he's not an option I know that people may be running turbo and Savage but at fullback only it's so so tough I really want him to start on the wing play three or four games there. Uh, score about six points, do nothing so his prize doesn't go up, and then he gets the centre wing eligibility, and then Ricky moves him to fullback where he looks set to explode. Look, that that would be wonderful. We would miss a price rise if that were to be the case, but at least, you know, losing one price rise to a bloke that's going to play fullback, it's not too bad. It's better than nothing, and he would certainly become an option for us in round four to maybe, well, we're stacked with options actually in the centres, but you could chop whoever's going worst, I guess, and, and cash out a little bit and then jump on Savage and ride that cash train. So Savage was was the highlight in this game, and, and we, we've touched on him enough, but there were some other good performers. I mean, Emre Gula, he looked really impressive for me. Uh, had a, looks, looks really fit, looks really uh, lean, robust. The problem is Ricky Stewart and his forward pack rotation isn't fantastic. Uh, Sammy Valame also showed glimpses of brilliance. Whether he gets a spot or not is another question, but he's definitely one to... I guess I guess keep keep a note on for next trial if he gets to start. Uh, as we said, Charlie Klukstar also looked very good, and I really liked the way that uh, Corey Hadawira Naira was looking for sort of support on the inside. He didn't give up on the play, uh, and that resulted in him scoring a try. And also uh, two two guys, oh, sorry, three guys from the Raiders. I want to mention as well, Jared Croker. Really good to see him get through um, some some game time. I think he scored seventy one super coach points in the game that he played. So really good to see him get through the stem cell treatment injury, um, or as Braith Nasta would say, a stem cell injury. That was the the highlight of of Braith's uh, commentary this weekend. So I guess it's in good stead for for Tedesco too, uh, who had a similar um, procedure. Obviously, no two athletes are the same, but Jared Croker getting through it after considering medical retirement is a big tick for him. Uh, Peter Holler looks like he has done a PCL, which is the muscle behind your knee. Um, so yeah. not 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 great, not an ACL, thankfully, um, but we'll miss some time. And Corey Horsburgh, big red. I really liked what I saw from Corey Horsburgh. Uh, just depends on where he fits into Ricky's sort of rotation. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure how that that pack's going to line up, and that's going to be the the issue, I guess. I agree. CHN was running really good lines. Uh, he looked really solid. Uh, Emre Gula, outstanding, as you said. Uh, he'll definitely be in the in the 17 somewhere, I assume, on the bench. Uh, the horse, the horse was very impressive. Um, keen to see if he gets a start, could become a super coach option to start the season or, or early into the season. They were probably the main standouts for me. Uh, young Albert Hopwade, I thought he had a pretty solid game as well. Again, he's not really in the mix to get a spot, I don't think, but still credit to him. I thought he played pretty well. Our boy, Adam Elliott, didn't get to see the best from him because there was an injured hooker and the Raiders carried no hookers. So Adam Elliott had to roll the sleeves up and play a bit of nine. So we didn't get to see the best out of him. Uh, but hopefully trials next week will show the best. Look, we've touched plenty on the Raiders because the Raiders kind of 
put a fair few first graders out there. The Roosters, not so much. And that's why I guess they went down 32-18. to 18. As a Roosters fan, mate, you probably shouldn't take, look too much into this. But one thing I did want to mention, I know that it's no Manu Tedesco, Walker and Kiri, but Kevin Naguama didn't look like he wanted to go hunting for the ball, didn't really want to pick up any work, and I think he scored four points in 40 minutes. We know that the, the right-sided winger scores a bucket load of points for Supercoach. But it kinda, I'm kind of getting cool on, on Kevin uh, Naguama. Look, we'll touch on the Roosters podcast preview tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, he has not found his way into my starting 17. Yeah, I, um, I'll probably go a little quiet on, on the Chookies here, given that we're about to do their pod. But yeah, he wasn't very impressive, in my opinion, uh, Kevin Naguama. Um, I was really happy with a few blokes, but being a Roosters fan, I, I know a little bit about the blokes coming through. Um, how about, how about, Daniel? How about Vulcan? He he was the one that took oh, my Bolkman. eye. He was the one that took my eye. Uh, he's like shows you that like just how good the half the half depth is there at, at the Roosters. Bachman's a weapon. Some of the stuff he did for North Sydney last year was incredible, and it's it's just a shame that he's probably so far back in the pecking order in this side. Because I, I would love to see him get a crack one day. If if Kiri, I, like I think Kiri's probably only got two or three seasons left in the NRL. I think he's going to be one of these blokes that retires it you know, 32, 33 years old. So I think this will probably be his last contract. I think he'll probably see if he can win another premiership and I reckon he'll retire early. If he does, Volkman could get an opportunity. I just hope that, you know, he's not lost to the NRL because he's certainly a, a very enigmatic player and he's a very good player to watch. Yeah, look, that, I think that's going to wrap up that game. The Roosters, there wasn't a whole lot to really touch on for them. Frank Robinson was kind of rolling out his fringe guys. Uh, one thing to note, though, next week he said that all of his first-grade guys will play, except for Luke Keary, who is in doubt for round one, and James Desco also will not feature in next week's trial, but he should be uh, good to go for round one. So definitely something to keep an eye on for Luke Keary owners. Looks like he's racing the clock to be fit for round one. Mate, the next trial, the Tigers 428 Manly. And after two minutes, I think a lot of sides that didn't own Tom Travojevic were really panicking because he had 20, 24 points after two minutes. Pretty uh, pretty me- mediocre PPM, if you ask me. But uh, no, look, he, he looked incredible. He had two try assists in the first half. I think he finished on 60 super coach points. And he was playing with the Tigers for fun on that on that uh, left edge. And it looks like to be much the same. Tigers first grade side as well. Basically, uh, all but two or three of the Tigers first grades, grade guys. So you can't really use the excuse of Tebow was playing against kids. He was playing up against, yeah, basically the Tigers full strength side. And yeah, he just, he looks just as lethal as ever. Yeah, I, I wasn't so much looking necessarily at the points this round. I, I was looking at, you know, what kind of lines they were running the eye test was really important to me. And I knew after five, 10 minutes into that game that Tom was the Tom of old. And when I, when he broke the line open with one or two minutes, I think left in the first half split him, you know, set up a try. I was like, well, Tom is back. And if you don't own him, he's going to be a very nervous watch regardless of the first two weeks, I think. Um, Cause thereafter he's got a pretty easy draw and 1.25 million it's never going to be easy to get up to those areas. Even if he drops two or 300 K, he's still going to cost a mozza. So yeah, I'm a little bit nervous at the moment when it comes to Tom Trebojevic, because that was scary good for a trial. Yeah. I wasn't impressed with the first try assist because it was just kind of standard wraparound play targets and weak edge defense. 
that's kind of Travojevic's bread and butter. What did impress me was that bust through the middle uh, just on the stroke of halftime. The, the fact that he uh, just, yeah, just absolutely ripped to the Tigers' centre, that's what scares me about not owning Turbo. Uh, a couple of other things. DCA's kicking was on fire. Uh, he had a 40-20. Some of his general field kicking was phenomenal. Not so much a super coach relevant stat, but anyone that listens to us for NRL fantasy advice, they know that the kick meters are important there, and he looked to be on song with his kicking. And another manly guy I want to mention, Ethan Bullymore, has some nice set of hands on him. For a guy who isn't known to be playing edge, uh, he's, I think he's only played one game on, in the edge in his career. He he looked good. He I think he scored 45, 50 super coach points in one half, but there was a try assist and a line break assist there, so... Something to keep a note on, but if he gets the start on that edge while Schuster's out, uh, 280k, dual position, that's handy. Sign me up. The the criticism that Brew and I had on Schuster, not Schuster, the criticism that we had on Bullymore was him coming off the bench. We didn't feel there was any value in him coming off the bench playing 25, 30 minutes at 280k. There's definitely some value there if he starts, though, uh, because at yeah, 280k, dual position, forward, sign me up if he's going to be playing 60 minutes plus while Schuster's out. Yeah, I've got him. I got him locked into my side. I fully expect him to get that edge spot whilst um, Schuster is out. And I was impressed with his performance. It, it, like he didn't have a an absolute blinder by any means, but he did nothing wrong uh, to hurt his chances of getting that spot. And as you said, very silky smooth hands. And given that he will probably play, I think left side, that's pretty good. Pretty good real estate when you've got Turbo running uh, and feeding your balls, mate. The Tigers only scored four points, but the four points did come from Kima Tuolangi. Is he in line for Sean Bloor's spot? Is he going to be competing with Luke Garner for the start? He's a very similar price to someone like an Ethan Bullymore. Doesn't have the dual position, though. But he ran a really nice line, scored a nice try, looked very strong. Uh, I was also very, very impressed with the other edge in Luke Le Lua. He looks like a handful, as he always does. Looks like a very strong ball runner. So, yeah, the edges for the Tigers. If Tulangi can start and Garner's on the bench, that'd be fantastic. The realist in me doesn't think that's going to happen, though, unfortunately. I don't personally think it'll happen. I hope it happens. I think they're more dangerous with that edge combination. Uh, as you said, uh, Luciana, he he looked wonderful. He looked very damaging. He looked a little bit, you know, Tevita Pangai-like at times during that game. So I was impressed with him. And the young fellow that you mentioned, if he gets if he gets the start, then absolutely jump on. But for the time being, I'm not. I'm not making changes to my side to, to put him in. If he's there on TLT, beauty. Uh, he'll be in my side, but I'm a bit doubtful that he gets the start to start the season. I think Garner naturally would move up into that spot, seeing as he was competing with Bloor for the spot to begin with. Yeah. Um, Garner also wasn't 100% fit for anyone listening that wonders why he wasn't playing. Um, I am warming to Luciano, though. I think he's at a good price. Um, I'm not sure how much value is there. I'd have to look into him deeper, but... Yeah, definitely. He definitely passed the eye test. Mate, there is two guys from the Tigers here that I I am cold on. Look, I was cold on one of them, and we, I was hot on the other. And that's Oliver Guildhart. He's the first one. I think he had 12 points in 40 minutes. Didn't look for work. 42 points. Yeah, so di- didn't, look, didn't look for work. Didn't really do a whole lot. He's going to be very attack-reliant. This is the analysis that Brew and I had on him coming into the league, and the Tigers just do not excite me. They'll be battling for the spoon. I'm putting a red line through him despite being 280k and pretty much locked into starting centres. He's not really been in my side since the um, 
initial, you know, team pick aside since then. And since we've realized that there's actually quite a few options available in the centers, he, he personally hasn't been in my side. Um, I just, I would much rather take a more high upside team and the Tigers, you know, they're kind of bottom three-ish. I don't know how many points they'll have in them. So I'd rather, I'd rather take the luxury of, of being able to pick one, if not two guys from Parramatta, one, if not two guys from Penrith. You've also got Kurt Van available in the centers. You've got one or two roosters that'll be available. They're top sides and I want players that play for top sides. So that's why Gildart's not really been in my calculations since the initial opening. Bro, talk to me about your boy, Mr. Big Stefano Otoya Kamanu, because I was less than impressed when it comes to his performance. Yeah, again, I don't... Trials, like, they're important, but how many times have we seen blokes go cold in the trials and, you know, not put in much effort and then come out and just, you know, keep on keeping on come round one of the official season? I think you need to remember he's a front row forward, you know, He's, he's not had any match fitness in terms of, of games played. I don't think he would have been giving his absolute 100% out there. I think he would have been just trying to get through. Uh, I'm I'm willing to have another look or two um, before I put any red lines through him. I'd, I'd like to see how he goes next week. If he if he stinks it up next week, are we are we I'll, are we at panic station or are you gonna are you still gonna ride with him for round one? I don't have him in my side at the moment. Um, if I could, I'd, I'd probably take a combo of Haas, Pangai, and Vanil Blake. Uh, I'm trying to see if a cheaper option comes available in the front row forward. I don't really want to spend too much money double gunning if I can avoid it, just because there are other targets that I'm looking to get on my side before TLT. You mentioned one of those guys you're targeting, you're being adding Vanilla Blake. Didn't score very. Yeah. Didn't score very well. I think he only scored maybe fifteen points or something like that. But he only played about twenty minutes, and he looked really, really good as the Warriors got up over Melbourne thirty to eighteen. I yeah, AFB. I am really, really high on him. I was before, but I'm even higher now. The only thing that concerns me is how good Penne went. Now, I'm not saying by any means that Lodge and AFB aren't going to be the starting front rowers, but I'm starting to think that Penne is going to have a spot somewhere in that 17. And if he does, I don't think he's really going to be getting 15 minutes off the bench. I think it could take away minutes from either Vanille Blake or Lodge. That is on my mind. But in terms of Vanille Blake, you could see that he was fit that he was in good condition, good physical condition, uh, and that he just looked good. He really passed the eye test for me. What really excites me, uh, shout out to Tristan Caniel from the Talking League podcast. Uh, I've mentioned his stuff on here a couple of times. He had a wonderful interview with Justin Morgan, who was the Warriors assistant coach, and he gave us a lot of really good quotes out of that. And one of them that I'm taking is that Adam Phil Blake has taken up a leadership role. This wasn't asked of him. Nathan Brown didn't ask AFB to to be a leader, but he's taken it upon himself to be the loudest voice in the dressing room when it needs to be. He's trained super, super hard. He's incredibly fit and just as powerful. When the team needs someone to speak loud, it's him. And that's a direct quote coming from the Warriors assistant coach. And so it just shows me that AFB, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but he's switched on. He, he looks like he's ready to go. He looks like he's firing. And that's all I need. That's basically what I need from a 505k front row forward who I believe can be a top five guy in the super coach. And for 50k more, I'm definitely rathering spending that on AFB over someone like 
uh, a Stefano. I know that Aaron Panay played well, and we'll touch on him too. I just feel Lodge is probably the guy that m- not not misses out, but the Lodge is the one that has his minutes uh, maybe dropped a, a couple to to fit Panay in. Uh, a couple of other guys from this from this Melbourne um, Warriors trial, Jack Howarth. He looked great, but I do want to mention that Ryan Hoffman was interviewed, uh, I think at halftime or maybe like midway through the first half or whatever, and they mentioned about some back row spots being filled and Jack Howarth's name wasn't mentioned, which leads me to believe that they maybe see him as a centre long-term, Jack Howarth. Um, they they really like Trent Lower here by the sounds of it, and it looks like Jack Howarth is more in that centre mould when it comes to the Melbourne Storm's eyes, so... Maybe his game time isn't going to be there as to what we thought it would be. Maybe maybe they're, they're looking at breeding him as a centre long-term. Interesting. I did miss that. Um, so I'm, I'm getting... You're getting a raw, a raw <laughs> reaction, reaction here. Yeah. I thought he was pretty... Like, he was very good uh, in the trial game itself. I thought he was pretty locked into getting a spot somewhere in the 17. So I've actually got him in my supercoach side. <laughs> Yeah, so look, that's a bit of a um, surprise to me. He he passed the eye test. He looked phenomenal. He's big, strong, lean. Just all the raps on him seem to be true. But yeah, just maybe I'm reading too much into it again. But maybe just just a very interesting comment from Ryan Hoffman there about how he named sort of the two or three uh, second roles that look that are looking at stepping up this year. And Jack Howth wasn't one of them, and he did start the trial in the centres. So. Yeah, maybe maybe we're reading too much into it. Uh, another thing to take out of this trial, Ryan Pappenhausen has sent uh, the Supercoach world into a frenzy because he is <laughs> racing the clock for round one, and that has me sweating bullets. Um, Xavier Coates scored after his very first touch in a Melbourne Storm jersey, so, God, we could be on for anything here. I'm, I'm, I'm still on the fence with Xavier Coates. Uh, there's value there, but how much value, and when can we get it? If there's no Pappenhausen, if there's no Munster, if there's no Grant... I mean, if they're missing half their spine for round one, he isn't someone I'm going to start with and just hope that he, he quietens out. But he did go looking for the ball. I think he had 12 points in base in the first half, which isn't fantastic, but you double that to 24. And that's kind of a five-point increase in what he was doing at the Broncos. So, yeah, it looks like he's going for the ball, which is always nice. I just, I'm very undecided. 360K is a really awkward price. I was hoping he'd be around 300, which makes life easier for us. Yeah, it's, it's one of those super coach seasons too. Like we, we look like we're going to be quite blessed with options to the point where I don't know if I can afford to have a $360,000 player in my centers this yeah. year. Um, I'm kind of seesawing when it comes to Coates. I, I haven't had him in my side pretty much at any point. And, but he is on the left side. I do feel like Munster's in for a hell of a year. So he's probably going to see a lot of attention. If he could add a... Add a tackle bus to his game. It would help with his hit-ups. You know, if he could add a few extra junk points in there, it might push that base up to more reasonable areas. I do think he'll score probably 20-plus tries this year, which which is obviously good. And at some point, you're going to want to have a look at a run that Melbourne might have at some stage and go, you know what, this is the time. I'm going to jump on Coates, try and get him cheap and, you know, play him as a flex play, a la Alex Johnston styles. Uh, but to start the season couple of tricky games you know in the first three weeks not so much the Tigers but the two after that are I'm probably not going to but I am coming around to to seeing it in people's sides because he did look impressive and he does look like he's going to play on the best side yeah the Tigers aren't a hard game but it's the side of running it's the side of running that make it difficult I mean if Pappenhausen does miss round one uh, you've got Munster out, you've and got Grant, Cheese and Munster, out, and Grant, yeah. and yeah. So there's there's a few. So it, it's not a t- difficult game, but it might be difficult for him to create scoring chances. 
And then, yeah, look, a, a difficult rounds two and three. So the best case scenario for us would be that he doesn't score a pie in the first three rounds. And then we could pick him up for like, I don't know, 320, 330. That'd make me a little bit more comfortable moving forward. Um, mate, you mentioned Munster looking good. He looked very, very involved. Um, I got a couple of messages being like, oh, I'm not seeing the Munster hype. He's not doing anything. But Munster doesn't do anything. Munster just racks up points. He'll he'll have five runs a half. He'll make plenty of tackles. And then he'll have the occasional triasis, which is what he had in this trial. And I think he racked up 71 points, something like that. So he just... Munster isn't a guy that will go... So, for example, Turbo. We touched on Turbo before. He had a try assist in the first two minutes and a try assist in the last minute of the first half and did kind of nothing else in between. So, like, his super coach graph would look very up and down. Oh. Whereas someone like Munster is just sort of a gradual incline. So, he just continues to rack up points from tackles, tries, uh, tackle busts. You know, like, he... Three times I counted in that first half that he just took a one out off the ruck. What 5-8 does that? You know what I mean? So, like, Munster is a very different when it comes to his scoring, it's much more consistent over the course of 80 minutes. I thought he looked good. Not not himself, because that haircut is atrocious. Oh, I'm, but not, I'm not a fan of the long sort of... Yeah, not, I'm not sure what not, he's not, doing not there. That's, like, that's gutho from like t- mid-2020. I'm, I'm not a fan of it. It was a very... It just caught, caught the eye, and it just looked qui- like he just know, quietly pan- pantined it right before the game. Just quietly. There were some rank haircuts this weekend, some filthy ones. There always is. But I can't talk. I can't. I can't do anything with the hairdo. Um, what are we talking about, Munster? Money yeah, Munster. I liked him to be honest. Um, I, I'm not going to start the season with him, but I'm going to look to be getting him as quickly as I can. I'm hoping Dylan Brown can get off to a flyer. Um, at the moment, I'm I'm thinking about starting him. I've talked. I've talked you in the deal bags. How good is this? I was the one that talked up deal bags on the initial podcast. What Thank happened you. to Luai? What happened to Luai? You've given up on Luai. Oh, I haven't given up on Luai. Um, it's just Dylan Brown's 50K cheaper, and I am squeezing every penny I can at the moment to try and get some big studs in my side or maintain the big studs that I do have in my side. So if there's a cheaper option between two guys that I like, I'm taking the cheaper option. Hey, let's talk uh, the Warriors halves. Ash Taylor was doing a lot of kicking over Cody, mm. over Cody Nikarima. Something to, to worth note that, yeah, Ash Taylor was given the reins in this halves combination. He didn't look good, but... He where, was given the license, which makes me feel that maybe Ash Taylor is the seven, which is something I've been calling for on Twitter. I, I'm still on the fence. I'd really like to see Cody Nikarima play nine uh, for this team. And then you can either play CHT or Ash Taylor in the six. I just think it would give him more, uh, like their spine would have more attacking prowess if that was the case. As long as Cody would be up to making, you know, the amount of tackles that you'd need to make at hooker compared to half, I don't see why they can't do it. Maybe They've Cody, got maybe too Cody at many options. Maybe Cody at 14, have Wade Egan start the game, set a platform, and then Cody can come on maybe 15 minutes either side of half time and, and kind of run through the middle a little bit there. Yeah, it'll potentially work. Uh, I'm not sure which direction they're going to go. You know, leading before All-Stars, I thought it was going to be Chanel. uh, And I thought that was the right decision. Now, I'm really not sure. Chanel seems to have dropped down the pecking order, a couple of average games. You know, Cody's looked good in periods. But then Ash, obviously, as you said, seemed to get the start last weekend. The Warriors won. Take from that what you will. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting come TLT to see what they do. I'm just a little bit worried that 
the Warriors are going to be the Warriors and, you know, they're going to win a couple and then they're going to lose five and then you're going to drop someone and then pick a new half again and, and so on and so forth. And none of them are really going to get a long stretch of opportunity to partner Sean Johnson. It's a worry for me. Do you want to know what I reckon could happen? The Warriors the kind of side who they'll play the Cowboys and score 10 points and do nothing. And then they'll play the Storm and put up like 30 and they'll lose like 32-30 and they'll just score a bunch of points against good sides and it'll, it'll make super coach life havoc. Hey, let's talk Rocco Berry. I mean, he looked really he looked really good. 320K, available at center wing. Uh, I think we were talking him up very early in the preseason. Um, but yeah, he, he looked really good with a really good combination on the left-hand side with Marcelo Montoya, who scored 101. Uh, he also had a double. Yeah, Rocco Berry had two try assists in the first half. Looks really good. And Justin uh, Morgan rates him as well from that same interview that we quoted beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. He was someone that in our draft that we just completed, I was looking to to pounce on, but someone had already pinched him before me. I ended up taking Jesse Arthurs instead. On the other side, I, I'm really high on Rocco Berry. You know, he, his dad played for the All Blacks. He came from the All Black system himself. He's still learning the game of football. Last season when he played, he had virtually no experience playing rugby league. And he's just getting better and better and better. And, and I think that he's definitely the left center come TLT. So with their draw, I, I wouldn't, be against someone, you know, having Rocco Berry, even if he was the highest price center, because with that kind of draw and the attack that they were showing on that left edge, it could be a masterstroke. And sometimes that's all it takes at the start of the season is to make those bold calls, particularly in a position like center or half and, and get off to a flyer and Bob's your uncle from there. You just, you know, keep rolling on. And I find if you start well, normally you keep playing well for most of the season. So at the start of last year, late January, I kind of did a post on a lot of sort of obscure rookies that people hadn't heard of. I mentioned guys like Dominic Young from the Dominic Young from the Knights. I also mentioned Rocco Berry from the Warriors. And look, this is when he was still very fresh and had just come over. And I tipped him to sort of be the Warriors' long-term fullback after RTS had walked out the door. And then they obviously signed Reese Walsh, which threw things out of, out of the way. But it just shows you that how versatile he is. Ju- uh, Justin Morgan also mentioned that he's been trading on both sides of the field as well. So he's not a specialist. He's not locked down to left-sided center or right-sided center. Um, he performs just as well on both sides. So I think that holds really good stead for him as well because if anything happens on that right-hand side, which is obviously going to be SJ's preferred side, then they might look to Rocco Berry and put him on, on the strike side and... They could present mega value there. I mean, we could get levels of like DWZ numbers on the right-hand side if Rocco Berry does manage to to find his way over onto that strike side. Um, look, we, we've already touched on Matt Lodge. He looked really good uh, with no AFB on the field. So sort of uh, they, they split their minutes between AFB and Lodge. One played the first half, the other played the other. Um, I've also mentioned there's nothing to really talk about in the second half here because the Storm put out a bunch of reserve graders. But Harry Grant now... At the top of the show, you mentioned that you don't like looking at guns and their output because you think they're they're just sort of going through the motions. I feel like Harry Grant was one of those guys this weekend. He only had 10 super coach points in 45, 50 minutes. He he should have had a line break assist in basically his first touch. Uh, inexperienced side around him, didn't push up through the middle, which is fine. But yeah, Harry Grant didn't look good. Looks looks looked like he was sort of going through the motions a little bit. I'm not off Harry Grant whatsoever because I feel like it's a case of what you said. Um, but it is worth noting that he did not play good. Yeah, we'll just we'll keep watching. We'll watch how he goes over the next couple of weeks, see if the involvement ticks up a bit. But I think when there's two points on the line, you're going to see 
superstars come out of their shells and play like superstars. And I don't think there's much to worry about with Harry Grant. I, I was in and out of watching that game. So I saw pieces of it and I didn't see other bits, but well, I saw Harry Grant when he first came on the field and he looked really good out of dummy half, you know, same old Harry Grant nippy, a little bit like cook was a few years ago. He just looked dangerous. So the fact that he didn't score any points, well, so be it. Cause I think come round one, there's, there's not going to be any issues. Yeah, uh, that's that's the exact same thing that I'll mention. Like, I put up a post on Instagram last night of sort of my recap of, of the trials, and I did have Harry Green in sort of the cold category, but that's not me putting a red line through him whatsoever. I think that's a case of him playing with an inexperienced side that doesn't know his tendencies and the fact that he's probably just getting through the motions a little bit there. So I would not be too concerned on, um, yeah, on, on Harry Grant. Hey, look, I, I didn't really watch the next game. The Rabbitohs 12, the Cowboys 24. This was... Two reserve grade sides had zero super coach relevance, so I've got not a whole lot of analysis on here. I mean, Jackson Paulo played in the centres, didn't look good. So your boy Isaiah Tass stocks are rising after poor performance from Jackson Paulo. So we'll, we'll, we'll monitor him in the Charity Shield. And I was really impressed with Griffin Neen actually. Look, he's two hundred and fifty k available front row forward only. But from Todd Payton's comments, looks like Griffin Neen's going to find a spot in the seventeen somewhere. And two hundred and fifty k probably prefer him over someone like a George Burgess. I do too. Uh, he was probably the standout player from, I only watched the first half of that game. Um, he, he was the standout player that I saw on the field. I actually thought that um, I saw some highlights and, and Latrell's little brother Shaq looked all right too. He's still a big boy. I think he still needs to drop a bit more weight um, if he wants to play serious NRL football, but he looked quite damaging in what he did. Outside of that, I didn't have much to take from that game. It was a pretty pretty poor game to be honest with you with not very good sides named don't be surprised to see Shaq take the experience that he would have gained from the all-stars camp into probably a reserve grade this year and I reckon Shaq will develop really nicely as a football player whether he's a first grade quality guy or not not too sure but yeah I think you're right there maybe another 10 kilos off the frame and he could be very lean and mobile but yeah really good success story from Shaq Mitchell um whether he plays first grade not different story but just a really really good feel-good story that South gave him a hand and, and he's looked like he's taken the opportunity with, with both hands and run with it, which is what you really, really want to see. Um, but yeah, Griffin Neen, 250K, was really impressed with him. Jackson Paulo, 414K, not so much impressed with him. Apart from that, no surprise that South rested a lot of their guys. They've got the Charity Shield next week, which is always has big stakes. And the Cowboys probably just going through the motions a little bit and you'll see their full strength side next week in the trials. Hey, this was a cracking game. Titans 26, Broncos 26. This is probably the game of the game of the round. Round, whatever you want to call it. That's uh that left uh, that right side of combo. I mean, it, it's kind of thrown things out of the water a little bit now because it looks like uh Selwyn Cobbo is, is gonna be playing fullback whilst testing you is out. But in the glimpse that we saw of Stags and Cobbo, uh, they looked really, really good on that right hand side. Apparently David Mead's gonna be playing fullback and Cobbo will stay on the wing. No, nah, um, so so sorry, you 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 have a real job and, and don't get to live in fantasy land like myself, unfortunately. But um, Pete Bedell is reporting that, uh, yeah, Kevin Walters did not like David Mead nor Jermaine Asako. He did not rate their trial performances. And um, Darius Boyd was helping out Selwyn Cobo today at training today, obviously being the 22nd of February. So if, if Cobo does get fullback, uh, his stocks rise drastically, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. And probably They're already high. Jordan Pierre's stocks also probably rise more as well because he would shift from the right to the left, you would think, or you would hope. Um, but yeah, in the short time that we saw... I'm not here to, to discuss teams, but regardless, I mean, Stags and Cobo, man, that was... 
Really, really nice link-up play. Yep, Stags, Cobbo, right side was great. Um, Pereira was really good too. I think quite a few teams might end up carrying all three of those blokes uh, in their back line. You know, obviously you wouldn't be playing all three all every week. You'd probably play Stags, maybe Cobbo and let Pereira be a cash builder. But Pereira looked good and he had a, a big hand to play, obviously, in the final try of the game. Uh, which got the draw for him. Yeah. I was quite impressed, actually. Can we talk on Jordan Pierre? Because I've seen a couple of narratives around there. The fact that he started against Winner Manly, which was basically a reserve grade side, and then came off the bench um, this week behind Corey Oates. For two weeks in a row, Corey Oates did sweet FA. Um, look, he's saying that his body's in the, the best shape it's ever been, but against Winner Manly, he did nothing when he came on. He looked very lethargic, and Jordan Pierre looked very energetic, full of full of running, full of everything. And the same thing happened here. Like Corey Oates started, did nothing. And Jordan Pierre came on full of running, full of energy and looked really good. And I'm not going to take, I'm not going to say that he was instrumental in the win because the Titans put out a bunch of reserve graders and the Broncos came back with a wet sail. But for two weeks in a row, Corey Oates has done nothing. And Jordan Pierre has um, looked very, very good. And there's talk that Jermaine Sarko is going to the Eels. So, for me, Piera would be the second best winger at that club behind Cobo. It's rumoured that Azako signed with the Eels this afternoon. Um, so, that should take him out of the equation. If Cobo's playing fullback round one, you'll have, obviously, uh, Corey Oates. I always go to say Coates now. Um, Hell, you, you, you'll have Corey you Oates even, and Pereira. You might even have Br- Brenko Lee and Herbie Farmworth because Brenko Lee looked really good in the trial as well. So, look. Good problems to Brinko have was heavy. Good. Yeah, all around, I, I thought most of the Broncos players individually played quite well. We need to see how they can play as a team, um, form structures and combinations. Um, I really like Tommy Flegler. Hey, Obviously, Flegler's out to I'll, start the season, but I'll I thought you, he played well. I'll tell you who didn't play well. Tyson Gamble. He did everything he could not to get picked round one. Jesus Christ. I never expected him to be picked round one. Uh, to be honest, I always thought it was between Albert Kelly and and the young boy, Billy Waters, who's had two good games in a row and now seems to be the favourite for the number six jersey. And I've got no problem with that. I think oh, he would make man, a, a am, nice partner for A-Ray. I am sick and tired of reading the nepotism narrative online. If Billy Walters' last name wasn't Walters, no one would bat an eye. The kid has done everything he can. I say kid, he's actually 28. He's a lot older than what I thought. He has done everything he can in the last two trials to put himself in the front runner. And you can say, oh, he played winner manly. You can only beat what's put in front of you. And then he played very, very well against the Titans side who was nearly full strength. I'm not too sure if you're Billy Walters, what more you're supposed to do when Albert Kelly didn't play well. Tyson Gamble hasn't played well. Ezra Mann is way too young to be throwing into the deep end right now. You don't want to kill him. I I don't understand this Billy Walters hate narrative. I, I think he has played the best in the trials, and if he gets to start, he's fully, fully deserving of that. Billy Walters is 28. Yeah, he is old, man. He is old. Jesus, I thought he was like 23, I 24. He, he, has such a baby, wow. he has such a baby face, but yeah, he has... He is old. I looked at that the other day. He is, yeah, 28 in, uh, in February. Well, I wouldn't be holding Ezra Man out for too long. That's the only thing I'll say, because that kid is electric, and... If you're good enough, I don't care how old you are. So, uh, Walters can start the season. He can play the whole season. Um, but oh. I think next year they need to start yeah. getting Mam into that side because Ezra he, Mam is, he is Ezra Mam is the impressive. future. I just what with the Broncos rebuilding, 
I wouldn't want to throw him in and just kill his confidence straight away. You know what I mean? Like just just let him develop one more year in reserve grade because I think he'll be a much better football for it, footballer for it. Um, yeah, you... but once you know, once bitten twice shy too. But they they wouldn't give Reese Walsh an opportunity and they lost him. They wouldn't give Sam Walker the opportunity. They lost him. So you know. Maybe the Broncos will just never learn, mate. Um, Tyson Gamble, not good. Kobe Hetherington, every run he had, he was getting on hands and knees and getting those quick play the ball. So, I mean, with with Flegler out, maybe they do play Carrigan at prop and they start a Hetherington at thirteen. Maybe they maybe they do. I wouldn't I wouldn't pick him for Supercoach because we'll touch on some better options very very shortly. But maybe there is a world where where Kobe does start. The, the 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 thirteen with Flegler out for a little bit. Let's just fast forward to TLT. There's so much conjecture with some of these sides, and it's hard to know what's going on with these trials. A lot of blokes putting their names, putting their hands up for selection. So wait and see. Obviously, Carrigan's one of those blokes. He could play either position, but I personally think he should be the lock, and Hetherington should be the fourteen. Hey, let's talk Corey Pikes because the talk out of Red Hill is that he is now preferred over Jake Turpin. Two hundred and five k available at hooker and halfback. And look, I really don't see them running Hetherington and Turpin off the bench. So if that's true, Corey Pakes has to be in a lot of team sides. And then the question beckon is, do we dump the hookers and go double cheapies? Because if he gets a start, you run Randall, you run Pakes, that could be anything. You also run Billy Walters, who's dual hooker as a safety net. Oh, Just mate. saying. The super, coach, um, the super coach gods today have, have blessed us. Yeah, look. Cheapy hookers, I am. I'm down for that. Um, I've always thought Josh Cook was going to get the nine for the Bulldogs, or at least at, at worst the fourteen. So quite a few of my um, squads have have had cheapy hookers, and it does make things a lot easier. I will say that. You told me, I think in December, that Corey Pax was the um, favourite to get the nine because he was really impressing at training. I think it was back in December about that time, and here we are, three months later, and. Maybe, maybe it will happen. I've said that much. So, shit, man. I, I, obviously, I can't remember. Yeah, shout out to Kevy. Obviously, big fan of this podcast because he listens to me for uh, for some Broncos team analysis. Well, maybe he does after the last couple of seasons. I mean, maybe coaching. Sean Lane listens to this podcast as well because after you slammed him, he turned into Prime Steve Menzies, and we'll touch on we'll touch on that game shortly. <laughs> hey, um, I've been waiting for this. Let's let's touch on Toby Saxon as well. He, I'm not going to say Nathan Cleary, but you know the way Cleary just like supports his forwards at the line. Like he'll, he'll, the forwards will get a tip on from Isaiah Yo, and then you'll just see Cleary right there next to the forwards. Toby Sexton was reminding me of that a little bit this game, and, and he got a try from it. He was pushing up with his forwards at the line very close, and um, yeah, look, Toby Sexton, that's what Toby Sexton does. He got through a lot of tackles, a lot of base, and scored a try. Not much more you can ask for from a 420, 30K. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I... I personally, I still think I'm not going there. I don't have the faith um, in the 400 plus price tag up front. Uh, he's very talented, 
and I think he will be successful. He did play very well and he did follow the ball very well, which is great. But in terms of super coach, I'm a little skeptical about starting the season with him. It could be a master stroke, but I'd prefer to play it a little bit safer myself. Another one that impressed me, new recruit, Kurt Capewell. He had a lot of good athletic runs. He was running some nice lines. I hadn't seen Capewell run nice lines like that since his Sharks days. Gave him some open space. He looked really good, as did TC Rabadi. Both those guys just looked like electric ball runners. So, Kurt Capewell... got plenty of good young kids, Brisbane. They just need to, they need to build what they've got into a killer squad. And it's something that Penrith mastered. Um, it took them a while to do so, but they've become very good at it. Brisbane needs to go back to doing that and molding these juniors to build a future squad. Um, you know, if they come ninth or eighth this year, it's a successful season for me. If you've blood more of those young guys and some of your young guys from the last year or two really start stepping up and become leaders again, that's a win. Yeah, they looked good. I'll tell you who didn't look good, Brew. The entire Cronulla Shark side as they got battered. 6-34 to 34 against the Panthers, and Jesus Christ, the NRL is unfair because the Panthers' first-grade side is exceptional, the Panthers' reserve-grade side is exceptional, the Panthers' under-seven side is probably exceptional as well, and Sean O'Sullivan is the best halfback that is not starting in the NRL. That's that's a hill I'm going to die on. Yeah, and I just question why he went to Penrith myself because I agree, probably is the best, you know, the best bloke who's not playing regular NRL. Corey Norman would be if you has. asked Corey, um, Norman, Corey Norman would be if you asked him though. No, <laughs> no, no comment. I'll try and be polite. So I'll move on. But he, he left the roosters cause he was stuck behind Kronk and he was stuck behind Kiri and they'd already signed Sam Walker. There was no, there was no spot for him there. So he went to the warriors who, haven't been able to find a half for the last five years, basically a nice combo had had a few nice games for them again, could not get a start and goes to Penrith. And every time he's been given an opportunity, he's done very well, but you've got two really young origin and in one case, international halves pairing and, there's just no room for him. I, I kind of feel bad for the bloke. I'll tell he, was, you, he was exceptional the other day. If the Kyle Flanagan, Brandon Wakeham, whoever Jake Averillo combination doesn't work out. I wouldn't mind seeing him at the Broncos, the Broncos at the Bulldogs next to Burton. Yeah. They probably would have trained together a fair bit last season too. So I don't hate that call either. Um, surely someone could give this kid a call. Like I would, I would Chad have, Townsend can get 800 K a season. This kid can't get a start. God help me. I would have said the Knights, but Adam Clune turned into prime Andrew Johns in the trial yesterday. And we'll touch on that later on too. I ha- told you Adam Clune was the best half that they had last year at the dragons. That wasn't named Ben Hunt. Get a game. That wasn't yeah, named they Ben Hunt. They kept opting to pick bloody Corey Norman. Oh, all right, so the Sharks 6, Panthers 34. O'Sullivan, as I said, best starting half, not there. Before his HIA, I was really liking the looks of Sivitalikai. Uh, I also like the look of Jaden Beryl. Cu- couple of question- questionable, yes. couple of question- questionable passes at dummy half, maybe one or two balls that, that were, were not good, but he looks mature, and he's he young. is. He's 26, so he's not, he's not a youngster, but he's definitely crafted his trade in, in the Q Cup. I think he was a Q Cup, Q Cup player of the year last year. And if anything happens to Blake Braley, you don't need to rush Cam McInnes at nine. You don't need to play Cam McInnes in a position he doesn't want to play. You've got a decent backup here in in, uh, in Beryl, who, yeah, I was really impressed with. Completely agree. There was there was a few people in this game, obviously, that impressed. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about Maverick Guy at some point. 
phenomenal game. My I don't new, think my we'll new talk favorite about him as player. much as Andrew. Well, you should have a chat to Andrew Voss because you know watching that commentary was Vossy was Vossy was all um, over him, was he? Um <laughs> I'm trying not to be rude. Hey, I, I wrote I wrote in big capital letters, Braden Trindle will not start. And this was before the uh, the shoulder to the head. He looked shot. Him and Tyson Gamble must have been in a WhatsApp call together asking, how do we do what we can to not get picked round one? It's now been confirmed that he's been suspended for the first two rounds. But even if he wasn't, he did everything he could to not get picked. And Matt Moylan, that jersey on his back is getting tighter and tighter, and it's going to be very hard to take it off him if you're Braden Trindle. Oh, Matty Moylan's been training the house down apparently too. He's so... been training the house down since 2014. Yeah, but normally he trains the house down and does a hammy in the process. <laughs> Tommy hasn't, so um, no, I, I'm quite confident it'll be Moylan and not Trindle. And Trindle's looked a bit average, much to my surprise. I I thought he was the best pick, and that Moylan should have been the 14, but not based on what I've seen recently. I, I think, think I think Moylan will get it, and I think he probably deserves it at this point because he did look dangerous at the back end of last season. Trindle was trying too hard to be that guy. That's what, that's what, that's my takeaway from this game. He, I think he knew that he was behind on the depth chart. I think he knew that he needed to have a, a big game to, to get himself a jersey. And maybe it just not got to him, but maybe he just tried to do a little bit too much and, and it came off bad. He made a couple of bad defensive reads, made some really poor kicks close to the line, obviously got sin-binned, and now has been suspended for two weeks. So, yeah, Braden Trindle, the... The dream that people had about having this this gun half is gone, and Nico Hines goal kicking half goal kicking half is gone. Nico Hines now has grabbed the goal kicking tee with two hands, and probably a lot of the general field kicking play as well, which will will be a big tick. So I don't I don't think Moisa will be doing uh, a whole lot of general field kicking. So um, yeah, uh, this is my first year playing NRL fantasy. Um, Nico Hines is straight into my side over there. Super coach wise, still a little bit reserved. He's still in my side and he's not leaving my side. I, That's all I, I'll say about Nico I, I Hines. Get, <laughs> I can get behind it now more that the fact that, that he will be the main guy. So I'm not 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 as I, I still think he's overpriced, uh, but I'm more warming to the idea with the fact that Trindle's not there. So I want to see how the Moylan Moylan Hines combination works. That could be kind of awkward, but yeah, that's what trials are for. Uh, a couple of other well, things. I'll rattle off a few names for you. Um, Jermaine Hockgood, we mentioned him a yep. couple, of, couple of days ago whenever our pod came out. He was very good. Uh, I still think he's probably next cab off the ranks. thought Charlie Staines, again, pretty ten. average. Char- um, no, 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 no. Charlie Staines is 10 times the full footballer at fullback than what he is in the wing. He he needs to mature because he tries to do a little bit too much at fullback. He was doing a lot of no-look passes and stuff, but he just looks better at fullback than what he does at, um, at, at the wing. Do you think Charlie Staines is the long-term fullback at Penrith when Dylan Edwards eventually... Um, not Lee. I don't know. Like, if if Dylan Edwards leads, do you think it's Crichton that goes back there, or do you think it stains? No, I think it's someone. I think it's a junior. I think um, Edwards will be there for long enough that uh, they've got a few kids coming through. Um, in the under twenties, I can't can't think of their names right now. But the Penrith system's littered with talent. I don't think they'll need to do a, a switcheroo. I think a kid will come through and demand selection. You talk about kids coming through. How about Isaac Tago? Looks really strong, runs a really good line, made a couple of good defensive reads, did drop the ball close to the line, um, like, like running a hole, but it was the hole that he ran, which was good for me, and jammed a couple of blokes in defense. The worrying thing is that he started this game. I'm not too sure what we can take of that. This is, was obviously the reserve grade side with Kurt Falls and um, Sean O'Sullivan in the halves. 
But has he done enough to potentially play himself in, or is he behind Talon Murray? No, I, well, we'll see what side gets named next week. That should give us a better indication. But for me, he's in. Uh, he'll be the center. I don't think it, there's much, too much doubt to it. We spoke about it on the pod that there's a chance that they play him in a in a bench role because he can fill you know second row and and back line. But I personally think he'll be the starting center. I think it's his to lose. I don't think probably May's done enough to usurp him of that that spot. I think he earned it last season in the opportunities given. So I personally think Tago will be there. And if he is there and not 100% owned, don't even play. It's also fair to say that... You're not trying. <laughs> it's also fair to say that Maverick Guy is the best guy to ever put on an NRL jersey of all time. Oh, mate. Give yourself an <laughs> uppercut. MG would give you an uppercut. What a um, game from Maverick, though. Like, he, he looks... He is huge. He is big. I have a question for you. Do you think that he'll play... An NRL game this year, Mav Guyer? Yes. See, I don't think he will. Um, I think, I'd like I, to I see think him. he I might think be. He's a bit too green. I think he might be number seventeen come Origin when they've got about seven blokes out, and that'll be the only time that we see him. He might get five minutes off the bench. Possible. Yeah, possible. Um, but they're definitely, you know, when who you got kick out moving on next season, Liam Martin's. Not a world class edge back rower. Eisenhuth ain't getting any younger. Scott Sorensen ain't getting any younger. Yeah, I think there's a real opportunity that we could get a genuine cheapy or close to a genuine cheapy sub 300 styles maybe next season. I think the back end of the season, maybe he could start floating in the 18 19. And if there's injuries, you know, get a bench spot. He, he was certainly really good on the weekend. Um, there's big raps on the kid, you know, having that surname. And your dad being a Panthers legend icon, you know, I think maybe the back end of the season, but I'm thinking more so next season. You, you could generally get a cheapie for next season out of Mav Geyer, who looks like he could be a weapon. 100%. Hey, the Dragons, they they got the job done over the Eels, 26-22. And as good as Talatalmon looked in attack, he looked unreal with ball in hand. Off ball, he did not impress me. He made Sean Lane look like prime Angus Crichton. Yeah, look. Shout out to Sean Lane as well. Obviously, big fan of this podcast. He would have heard Brew giving him an absolute bath, and then he decided to turn it on. So, uh, Sean Lane, thanks for listening, mate. I appreciate it. Yep. Shout out to my best mate, Sean Lane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will not run it straight, okay? Hey, the minute... I'm not running at you. The, I don't care if the minute you're a big that, Gumby like I called you a ride. The, the, minute, that, the minute that he... Uh, the minute that he looked good. I got four messages from people being like, I bet Bruce loving this trial. <laughs> I saw a few on YouTube too. And I was like, you know what? If he does it in actual NRL games, I will fall on that sword. I will put my hand up and apologize to Mr. Lane and say, I'm sorry, sir. You're not a big Gumby. You're actually, you know, Beaver 2.0 reincarnated. I, but I until think... I see it in actual NRL, I'm going to hold firm and remain that Sean Lane is a Gumby and not a starting edge back rower. Okay? I, I'm going to stay think, strong whilst I can. I think I think Talatamone and Tyrell Fumayona did him a lot. They they looked really, really shaky in defense. There was one where um, Talatamone, I think it was Sean Rankin, just drifted across field. Talatamone bite. Uh, Bited. He bit on he bit on the uh, the decoy, and Tyrell Fumayona was stuck in cement. And there was a gap the size of the M4 there, and he just went, Sean Lane just went right through it, and that did not excite me for for a moment. He looked, as I said, he was very very good in offense, but we know Anthony Griffin loves loves defense, and 
that's not exciting. He, Talatau Mon was only down for two missed tackles all game, but there was at least two two times there where him and Fully Mayona did not communicate well, and Sean Lane just pierced them to the middle. Yeah, is it a missed tackle if you don't even try? Exactly. Um, look, I wasn't really impressed um, with him. I, I, the Dragons were good in patches. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of talent was missing from the Eels, so I, I don't take a lot from it. Um, Tyrell Sloan was, was again, really strong. And it, it's such a shame that the Dragons have such a shit draw to start the season because yeah. I really would have loved to have potted up and taken him in the centers. You know, he was in my initial build, so I'm quite high on his ability. But, yeah, I've seen a few people coming around, obviously, to picking him to start the season. Outside of that, I wasn't overly impressed with too many people. Jack Gajewski. Jack, Jack G. Remember. Jack G. That's all he's getting referred to in this podcast. Gajewski. Um, he was good. Um, I think, oh, I can't remember what his name was. Johnny Rubin. I think that was his name was solid. George Burgess didn't do a march. McCulloch was, you know, didn't do much. Francis Molo. It was more to- Francis Molo wasn't even the best Molo on the field. His, uh, his brother stood him up as well. I didn't even notice he had a brother on the field. He did. Um, so... I, I took more from the Eels. I really like Jake Arthur. I think he's got a future somewhere. Um, he just impresses me every time he plays. He looks like a genuine footballer. Sean Russell was good. Um, and I wanted to wanted to talk about Sean Russell. I've seen him, obviously, since the injury yeah, to let's, um, let's, the poor kid, um, let's, let's, let's get which we'll come back to in a minute. Well, so that's um, what I was going to say. Let, 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 let's get the elephant out of the room. Hayes Dunstar. ACL, MCL, PCL. I, I did this exact same injury. Uh, I did this when I was 18. So I ruptured my ACL. I ruptured my MCL. I ruptured my PCL. I also had a compound break from my shin to my quad. Uh, for me, that was a three and a half year recovery. That was down to the compound break. But even the muscle rebuilding in your... That's, so for anyone not listening, that for anyone listening that doesn't understand how the body works, the ACL the MCL, your meniscus and your PCL are the four main muscles that hold your knee together. Um, and he's ruptured three of those. Now, I would, I'd be very surprised if he hadn't sprained or torn a meniscus as well. So basically, every muscle that's holding his knee in place is gone. He's obviously out for the rest of the season and it's going to be a long, long road back for him. What do we think of... I don't want to get into to judiciary stuff and whatever, but Tyra Fumayona has been at the forefront of a couple of big high-profile injuries in the last 12 months. I don't want to claim that he is not good, but it just seems to be his name coming around. It's really awkward as well because Tyrell Fumayona's sister uh, dates Hayes Dunster. So kind of an awkward family gathering there. Look, I don't think there was malicious intent to his brother-in-law to be. Um, It was ugly, but... I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that, you know, he didn't mean to twist in the tackle like that. And it was just a bit of bad luck on the footy field. Deserves a suspension. Rub him out of the game for six to eight weeks. Got no problem with that. But I don't think the malicious intent was there. I think sometimes there is intent. I think Latrell, like last season, for example, and George Burgess, I think going back when he eye gouged, that's malicious intent. Yeah. This wasn't, I think this was just an incident on the footy field. Just poor, um, poor technique more than anything, I, I feel. Yeah, but definitely needs to be punished. Um, so shout out to Hayes Dunster. I hope you have a, a really strong recovery, mate, and that we see you round one next year. I know it's probably a 12-month injury that you're dealing with with doing all three. Um, so hopefully you bounce back strong. 
Sean Russell, though, um, I've seen him popping up in a lot of sides, and I would pose some caution on that. And it's got nothing to do with Jermaine Osako either. If they don't, let's say Osako doesn't go to the Eels, I think there's a fair chance that Simonson moves to that wing. Um, Wanga Blake actually moves to the right wing, and Marikane Kore, who's a very good defender and played really well in the centres would actually take the centre spot Tom, over Tom giving Oppa, the young rookies a chance. Tom Oppachicks as well. That's the thing. Like I, A lot of people have Sean Russell. In the in the one full game that he showed against the Bulldogs, which was round 15 last year, he had two tries, he had a line break, he had five tackles, he had 24 in base, and he finished with 82 in that game. That's awesome. But I, I am also of the belief that Simonson shifts over and then it's either Tom Oppachick or Nia Corey with Wanga Blake shifting to the wing. Which sucks because I had Hayes Dunster in my side. Hayes Dunster was locked in for that spot and that's now gone, unfortunately. Obviously, we want to make sure he's okay first things first. But yeah, it kind of does kind of kill the sub 300k left winger from Parramatta pod blow. Yeah, we'd only found out that morning too that he was pretty much locked in for the left wing. So it was kind of a cruel blow. Um, moving on though, outside of that... Um, I can't remember his name, the Fijian fella that played the second half. He was quite good for the future as well. And we know Parramatta loves a Fijian winger. Um, probably not that much else. Penasini was quiet, which was a little bit concerning, but I'll wait and see what happens there because we know he's normally a worker. Uh, I didn't take too much else out of that game, to be honest. I took a little bit. Uh, I took Ryan Madison getting Sinbin and playing 13 and looking really, really not good. Um, so I'm not keen on Maddo. He's playing 13. Reed Money had a try assist, line break assist, your boy. Uh, yeah, Will Panasini did not look good. Moses Suli looked not bad. 366K. I'd probably rather take to, um, Sloan. I'd just pay the extra money and go Sloan. And someone that I do want to highlight, Makahisi Makatoa. Now, he is 319K. Featured a little bit for Parramatta back end last year. He's dual position, front row forward, and 2RF. He had like 57 points in about 35 minutes, all in base. He pumped through work. 319k, though, is a really, really crappy price where I'm not overly keen on it. So he'd have to drop a little bit or be locked into some kind of good bench role, which I don't think happens because Oregon Kafusi, as always, plays very well. Uh, he's off to the Sharks, but I still think Brad Arthur plays him. That is my take on the Eels 26 Dragons. Sorry, the Eels 22, 26 Dragons. And the last game of the round, Monday Night Footy at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle. 16 all, low scoring game, but there was plenty to talk about here. Plenty of Supercoach relevant things to unpack here. Let's get it out of the way. Kurt, man, he looked unreal. Only scored 19 points, but he did that in 23 minutes. But he touched the ball two, three times a set. Jake Clifford on the right hand side, Adam Clune on the left hand side. They were sitting so, so deep because man was just taking the ball and just ball playing through the middle. And Barry Tui basically confirmed that he's set to play, quote-unquote, big minutes. So, yeah, I mean, Kurt Mann, center wing, 5'8", 388K. You and I, we advocated for this six weeks ago. And the consensus was we got kind of laughed at. But Kurt Mann, less than 400K, playing 13. I am all aboard, especially if he's going to be ball playing as much as he is. Like I said on the podcast, whenever it was that we did it, we saw a couple of years ago what this kid can do with minutes. He became a CTW keeper, I think it was that season. Um, 
knocking out, you know, even when his minutes reduced, he was just always knocking out a 50 plus score and it was really handy to hold all season long. And I think it's going to be much of the same. I, I can't promise that we're going to hold him all, all season long this time around. But if we've got a lock that's playing big minutes and he's getting lots of touches on the ball, I dare say that we're going to make a bit of a profit and he's going to be an easy move onto somebody. And given that he's available at the center, that somebody could be highly important. It could be, you know, you could be dropping, jumping on a Ruben Garrick who's dropped 200K potentially by that point, those type of moves. So as I mentioned, Adam Clue on the left, Jay Clifford on the right, that would, you'd think, raise Callum Ponga's stocks, but... Ponga looked like he was forcing it just a touch, I feel. Maybe he was trying to do a little bit too much. You say you say some of these guns take some time off in the trials, but Ponga went 0-100 to 100 straight away, got named as co-captain this year. But I just feel like he was forcing his hand just a touch too much. Look, I can't comment too much. I didn't really see the game last night. I've only seen a little bit of highlights, and most of the highlights I saw were him getting absolutely belted. Um and I've, I won't say too much about it because there's been a bit of heat online today about all the Ponga lovers coming out and saying, why is everyone bashing Kale and Ponga? So I'll just um, keep my two cents quiet on that one. <laughs> my thing with Ponga is that like his best super coach season was an 80, 80 average when he was goal kicking. And it's now clear that Jay Clifford is the goal kicker. So it just, it takes my KP stocks down a little bit. Um, the Bulldogs number seven jersey is up for debate. I still think Flano has to start. I mean, Avarillo didn't impress me much. Wakeham didn't impress me much. I just give it to Flano. Give him one more crack. Doesn't work. Then move him on 100%. And TPJ is crying out for Matt Burton. Um, I think he had 19 tackles, three hit-ups, three tackle busts, three offloads off the top of my head. Didn't score that well, super coach wise but passed the eye test because he didn't get the... This is the thing. People are like, oh, he did nothing in the first half, but the, the Bulldogs couldn't hold the ball in the first half, so... Put a line through that one. I think TPJ with Matt Burton is going to be better for it. And Jaya Monasia, he looked really good. Ran a nice line off David Clemmer. David Clemmer also looked really good, mate. He looked lean. He looked energetic. Kind of conflicting reports because Barry Tui said that Jacob Saifedi will start, but David Clemmer started this, this game. So not too sure what to make of that. But I'll leave the floor up to you, mate, because there is two guys here, Joshua Cook and Max King. More importantly, Max King, he looked absolutely unreal. I said it a couple of weeks ago, I really hope this bloke gets a spot in that 17 because he deserves it. And he's young, you know, he, he would offer so much to that club. And if he gets a spot, 100% in my side. Uh, currently in my side, and this might be a bit pessimistic but I've got Josh Cook in my side and I've had Josh Cook in my side for most of the preseason I really think at the very least he'll be the 14 um, but I think he deserves the nine I think he's much better player uh, than JMK I said that I think I bashed JMK on that podcast that's how much I love Josh Cook and he showed it he was electric in that second half you know he he wasn't playing against men I suppose in that half he was playing against you know Reggie's but he showed his ability, and I really hope he gets to show that in the NRL this season as a starting nine for the Bulldogs. I think they'll be better off for it. Yeah, you, you can only beat what's put in front of you, and, and JMK did start against the big boys, but yeah, Josh, Josh King came on and looked really, really good. Hopefully he does get some minutes, but mate, I'm all in on the Corey Pegs uh, bandwagon right now. Hey, we've been going for an hour and five minutes, and that's going to do it for us, I think, today. Round one of the trials is done. 
lot to unpack. My side has changed drastically. It's going to change drastically next week as well when we come back and do this all again for week two of the trials. Brew, mate, give me your biggest uh, your biggest bolter and your biggest uh, player you're cold on after the trials. Um, probably Madison. Um, gone, gone cold on Madison. A little bit. Yeah, I, I just I prefer to save seventy five k, however much money it is, and, and go tell Malolo at the moment. Um, I think there's a few blokes that are popping their heads up. I didn't mention him on this podcast, but Eli Katoa. I'm really starting to get high on Eli Katoa, especially if he is right side, outside Sean Johnson. Warriors look quite good. They've got an easy draw to start. So probably Madison in terms of super coach is a guy that I've kind of gone cold on. Madison at 12 is a much different prospect than Madison at 13. So if Madison was to start 12, I think we change our minds back to being hot. Um, but if he is filling in for Nathan Brown at 13, I'm not keen. And as for your Ellie Katoa shout, mate, for anyone that doesn't understand what Brew and I are talking about, um, please feel free to jump over to my Instagram, at SC Whisperer. Uh, scroll through, you'll find a couple of posts about some Warriors quotes, and Ellie Katoa has uh, really stood up this preseason, so I'm keen on him too. Mate, you mentioned Maddo as you called on. Who is, who has got your, who's got your socks rocking? Tom Chaboyevic. Yeah, no surprise there. 60 points in half a game of 42 tries. There's two line break assists and looked yeah, lethal. But the other thing is people, I've, I've seen a couple of people going, oh, yeah, it was only 60 points. It was monsoonally raining. Like the blokes on yeah. the sideline had deck chairs over their heads. Handling wasn't easy. And is it fair they kind of nuked two tries on the left edge too. Like is it, you is give it, them an extra 40 say, points and it's 100 points and a half. Is it fair to say he also didn't look that interested as well? Like he did, he didn't look like he, he didn't look like he wanted to be there, and the bloke still put up two try assists. Albeit, I think he was protecting himself. I think he was, if it was really on, he was there. If it was only half on, he held back a little bit, and that's the other thing too. Like, if a half-assed Tom Jaboyevic can score sixty points exactly in forty minutes, like that worries the f out of me. You know, I, I how about I'm really worried that about, I go Paps and Ted and. Tom comes out and, and he's playing Penrith, the best defense in the league, and he's got 150 points by halftime. And I'm I'm crying in a corner going, my season's over. It's how, like, how, about the, worry. how about the character arc of this podcast? Because flashback to December, uh, we were off him cold. We were also off Fafita. And now they're probably the two biggest blokes that we are keen on. Um, mate, for me, obviously Max King. Like, he's the one that really stood himself out. I think he's played himself into a bench spot. And the guy that I'm, I'm pretty cold on uh, is big Stefano Utoya Kamanu. Uh, I want to see how he bounces back next week. But, mate, 70 minutes of absolute Supercoach trial. Nuffy, you and I watching a bunch of reserve graders getting around trying to pick our fantasy sides. There is nothing better. Footy season's back in full swing. And I very much thank you for joining me once again today, mate. No problems. Hope everyone enjoyed that. Sorry if it was a bit of a ramble, but, you know, it's our first taste of real Supercoach scoring madness. So we just wanted to have a rant, rant or two and have a good chat. Exactly. That's going to do it for us today, guys. I've been your host, Jesse Whisperer, joined as always by the wonderful Brew SC that way. You've been listening to the Dual Position Podcast. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for listening. Ciao for now, guys. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 